Another episode, uh, Triple G Ginger's Gridiron and Golf Podcast. I am your host Stephen Kerr, aka the Ginger, and we are back. Another jam-packed episode. Ring the bell! It's about that time, folks. It's been just over one month. We uh, we finished off with our season two finale, and uh, he's got to come back for his monthly visit. Old boy, how are you, my friend? Come on in here. We are back in the saddle again, young man, for one more game. One more game, the big one, the That's granddaddy it. of them all. That's it. We got the Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl coming up. Speaking of the Super Bowl, we're going to have a, a big Super Bowl preview show, as we always do here on Triple G, working on uh, finalizing a couple uh, guests and NFL guests. I know it's tough with, with the Rams and the Bengals and the teams that are in the Super Bowl to, to get those guests. Some, some years we've been able to do it, others we haven't, but uh, still working away on that. So listeners, stay tuned for that. And uh, stay tuned for some some live stuff. Old boy and I are possibly going to do a, a live thing on Saturday night before the Super Bowl. But so a couple big shows coming up next week for Triple G. Hopefully, old boy, we can get you involved as well. Love it, love it. So what do you got? Well, what do you got on the tap tonight, big guy? Oh, hey, well, come on now. Tuesday, February first. It's the uh, Chinese New Year, the Lunar New Year, and what a day in the NFL, old boy. <laughs> We could start in numerous different places oh, on numerous Lord. different topics, but uh, let's start with the the coaching carousel, and then that'll lead us into the the debacle that was, and then we'll get over to the, our good friend TB12, and and we'll go from there. How does that sound? I love it. Let's let's get it going. Okay, well I'm gonna start you off. Let's start off with the guys that were uh, were hired, and let's go out to the first hire that happened last week, the Denver Broncos. John Elway might have had a few too many beers when interviewing Brian Flores, but that's a different point. Nathaniel, <laughs> Nathaniel Hackett, um, it, it, come on! If he doesn't, if he doesn't get Aaron Rodgers, is this thing going to work out? I don't like, think so. The first thing I thought of was like, you know, I get it. The guy has a relatively deep CV. You know, he's been an OC in Buffalo and Jacksonville, and obviously, you know, was there in Green Bay the last couple of years. But this has got to be. Something you know, if, if if the next shoe doesn't drop, then I just don't see how this thing's going to be a success. Given, you know, first and foremost is given the quarterback situation in Denver, right? Like, yeah. you know, but the thing is now is you know you're hearing all these rumors down that if Rodgers goes, he's bringing 17 with him, right? So so how do you swing that one, right? Like I guess maybe you, you send Jerry Judy or something like that back the other way to make it work from a compensation standpoint, right? Just to try and clear out that room and, and send some, some talent, some, you know, early draft round capital talent back the other way. But man, yeah, could you imagine? That would be a heavy, heavy leverage game because Green Bay's probably going to tag, tag Adams to hold yeah. the leverage. And then, Av- and then Adams would probably say, no, uh, I'm not, I'm holding out. So I'm not playing. Yeah. And then they're going to go, okay, well, we need to get something. We've just lost Rogers. Clearly, like you're into that whole Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, Pittsburgh Steelers situation, which is an absolute mess, right? Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. I don't know. Like at the end of the day, like 
if I'm Green Bay, maybe maybe it is time for a fresh start, right? Like maybe you I do just try and recoup whatever you can. Think, listen, you're going to be selling him at his almost peak, right? Notwithstanding his age, this guy's probably going to be coming off of back-to-back MVP seasons. And you know what? Listen, you know if you can recoup a bunch of draft capital back and surround that young kid at quarterback with some more offensive weapons, and you know just help to re you know rebuild up other you know missing pieces on that team. Listen, the North isn't that strong, right? There's no nope. reason why you can't be right back there, even without them in, if, in a year or so. You know what I mean? Like, maybe you take a step back, and maybe someone like a Minnesota or something like leapfrogs over you for a year. But at the end of the day, you're you're right there. And and this thing's totally up for grabs within the next year or so, if you can do it properly, right? So Yeah, for sure. And, and in terms of hacking, I think you nailed it on the head. Like, without that quarterback, I just don't see how he's going to come in. And if you've got another mid-level quarterback there in 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 denver uh, you know i know bridgewater's still under contract he signed that two-year deal but you know lock showing what he is i just don't see how hackett's gonna come in and fix this all no with, without no. rogers no no you need someone to understand who's gonna be able to put everything together because like you know we've been for years now i feel like whenever we've been on these podcasts and we've been talking about the broncos like the yep. offensive weaponry you know in the backfield at wide at tight end like Tons of tons of talent. Now you just need someone to kind of piece it all together, and, and maybe it is number twelve. Listen, he's if he walks into that locker room with that talent there, and he brings seventeen with him, holy crap! Like you want to talk about the AFC NFC and how things are starting to swing already? Like already, the quarterback pendulum now is swinging so far towards the AFC in terms of young up and coming kids. That next, you know, the creme to the creme in terms of you know signal callers now, right? And if you bring over a guy like Rodgers into the AFC as well too, like. And then with Brady's retirement, who the hell is the best quarterback in the NFC at this point now, right? Well, you know, yeah, you'd be left with Kyler Murray and Matt Stafford, That's right? About it, right? Exactly. So, so. Be, yeah, it'd be wild. Matt, Matt, Matt Eberflus, uh, coming over, defensive coordinator from the Colts, uh, comes with uh, Ryan Poles uh, to the Chicago Bears, and I believe they brought along Luke Getzky, uh, Getz, Getzy, offensive coordinator from the Packers. We talked about it off air, uh, and I mentioned it last week in terms of the Vikings and the bears and some of these franchises hiring towards their history and their personality, the Chicago bears, you've got fields at quarterback. Why are you not bringing somebody in to help develop this kid? You know, Allen Robinson's another weapon that could be out the door soon here. And I just feel like this could be just a lost cause for fields. Like we could be in year three, year four, wondering, what this kid is, and, and is there going to be even evaluation when you make a hire like this? Um, I'm with you. Like, you know, it, I'm, I'm sick and tired of these teams that are just constantly resting on their history in terms of their identity. I get it, you know. 85 Bears and the rest of it, and Buckus and Singletary and Erlacher. I get the pedigree. I get the history. I get that you'd want to bring a guy in who's defensive-minded, but – like you said, like, you know, you're not winning. You're not winning anything. Maybe you win the division. You know, maybe maybe they can, if they can, you know, get a couple things to break their way. And if maybe if Rodgers moves out of the division, you know, maybe the Bears jump up and, and win the division next year. But you, you got to be able to throw the ball around. You got to be able to score points, right? Like, look at both of these teams in the, in the Super Bowl this year. And even look at the final four, right? You got to be able to score, right? And I yep. think at the end of the day, you know, defense is only get you so far. I think you got to have, you know, balance on both sides. And and especially when you invest all that draft capital in that kid, right? You want to know what you got. And, and especially being more of a tools, you know, 
project in a sense that he wasn't a you know a final final product when he came in from Ohio State. He's more of that raw athlete That's who right. has some really nice you know intangibles that was going to be a little bit of a steeper le- learning curve, right? But if he could figure it out, you know, the guy could have you know he has physical tools, which are not I'm not saying he's Josh Allen type, but you know he has those ability to kind of scramble, make plays, right. be athletic outside the pocket, right? He needs somebody to come in there and teach him how to, to quarterback at the NFL level. He, yes. You nailed it. He can scramble, he can run, and, and you can, you know, develop that in your offense and include that in your, your offensive game plan on a week-in, week-out basis, i.e. Mahomes, you know, in the rookie year and what right. we've seen from Josh Allen and, and some of these other uh, – Kyler Murray. But you needed somebody to come in and develop him. And uh, I don't know. Uh, from what I've seen out of Getz, he, he he's going to have to really – impressed me in terms of coming over from from green bay and that like that whole you know rpo and all that stuff that wasn't in green bay's offense like that that that's not what aaron Rodgers did so now he's gonna have to build a whole offense around this kid and and help develop him so he's definitely got his work cut out for him yeah, well, I guess well in this year in the draft, did they not? Did they not grab a? a did they lose? No, they lost a pick last year. I'm trying to think how they how they acquired Fields. Did they acquire first, or did they give up a first to go up and get him? I forget now. No, I'm starting to lose track here. No, it was Philly that gained the extra first when they traded that with Miami. So I'm getting them mixed up. Yeah. So I think the Bears may actually be without a first round pick this year to go up and get uh, Fields. I think yes, they moved. They moved up to eleven to go get. Him. That's right. So yeah, yeah. you're not even gonna be able to add a first round talent. You know. So and that's a team that needs help, right? Especially on the offensive side in terms of just you know infusing more offensive talent in there, right? Yeah. You got a nice tight end. You got a couple pieces out wide with Mooney and whatnot that have some upside, but. Yeah, you're gonna to need to help the kid out and really put a nice game plan around him and actually teach him how to play the how to play the position at the pro level. You're right, you're spot on on that one. So, Brian Dayball, uh, close to our heart as as Bills fans, uh, finally exit af- exits after two or three years here of interviews and us, you know, conjuring over whether he's gonna leave and where he's gonna go and how we can keep him and you know what how that how this carousel is gonna shape up. Um, going to New York to the Giants. Oh boy, what are your thoughts? Can he can he save Danny Dimes? Well, listen, you know, I, I think he he gets a ton of credit for spearheading the development of, of Josh. And and whether or not that's true, whether or not that's Josh, whether that was him, whether it was a combination of the both and and him having that consistent voice. Like I think, you know, I don't think we overlook it, but I think you're constantly reminded of the importance of consistency, right? In terms of especially these young single callers that are coming in a little bit raw, need some coaching up, you know, to have a different voice in the room every other year like this would be what now this is this is not his third head coach like what pat Shermer? i'm trying to think of this is this not danny dimes third head coach now would it yeah. be so Shermer? i think they, did they not start with mcadoo though sorry matt sorry i got mixed yeah, up you got mix mcadoo up. Yeah. mcadoo and then and then joe now, judge joe judge and now you got dable right so yeah. you, you know, but the talent there is unbelievable. Like, uh, uh, you know, they've they've invested the last couple of years, whether it be through free agency or whether it be through the draft, in terms of spending first round draft capital on offensive weaponry, right? So, I'd see like you know, Danny Dimes. <coughs> every once in a while, he shows you little glimpses, right? Like, he's athletic as hell. It's just I think it's the decision making. So, you know, it goes back to what happened with Josh, which was give him real simple, easy first reads, kind of really have him, you know break the field down so it's it's one look and it's go or it's just it's single it's single you know decision and you're not really having them have to constantly do multiple progressions and multiple reads it's basically yeah. 
It's one decision or go. It's check this or check that. And if that's not there, then you're going to go here and make it really easy, simple reads, nice high, you know, high percentage completions. And, you know, just have the kid kind of regain some confidence and get into a little bit of a rhythm there. Right. But I have, you know what, man, I'm, I'm bullish here. I, I'm not sure if Dable is, he could be the next, you know, guy in line in a sense of these guys that constantly get kind of tabbed as these quarterback whispers when maybe they're not fully, you know, responsible for that development. But you know what, hey, man, good on you for, for monetizing it and getting a head coaching job out of it. And he's not the first guy to ride, you know, a quarterback's coattails into a starting job. Look at a guy like Adam Gates, for God's sakes, right? Oh, so. I know. Yep. And and speaking of which, we we slide that over into uh, you know a guy riding a quarter, quarterback's uh, coattails to get a, a job or two or uh, leaving a job or two early, and that's the last hire that we've had, and that's uh, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler to the Las Vegas Raiders. I was shocked <clears throat> when I heard this um, on on uh, Friday afternoon, Friday evening, that he was making his way out to Vegas. I thought. Bill had maybe two, three years left and McDaniels would take over and he was the mainstay in New England. And all of a sudden now he's, he's in Vegas with Carr and I'm, I'm still actually stunned that like I, up until today, old boy, when they actually trotted him out there, I didn't believe it. Like I, I I did not believe that this was actually going to happen. It's interesting, right? It's almost, you're almost wondering, you know, there's some guys out there that I think they get, they get a little bit worried or they get, uh, intimidated by the situation in New England, right? Like, what do you have to gain by that? You know, you're never going to be able to replicate what Belichick and Brady did in New England. So now you're, you're, just, you're, now you're the next guy, right? It's like, it'd be like, you know, how many coach, you know, in, for the Habs, all those like, you know, Stanley Cup winning teams then come in as like the guy who was coached them through the 90s and the 2000s, right? Or all these other dynasties. It's like, you know, taking over for Scotty Bowman. It's like, yeah, what do you have to gain there? Other than, you know, obviously being employed as a head coach, at the end of the day, you want to go somewhere and carve out your own your own legacy, right? And for, you know, although, you know, the Raiders, they weren't that long ago, they were relevant, you know, winning Super Bowls in the early 2000s. At the end of the day, you know, I think for him, it's interesting. Like, do you think that he's the right – like, I feel bad for Rich Passaccia. I think that, you know, you see all the players coming out being like, you know, this guy, like his ability to, you know, relate and develop relationships and be like a coach's, like a player's coach and be able to really, you know, win the trust of these guys. I think in a place like Vegas, you saw it last year, you need genuine human beings, guys that can relate, guys that can keep these guys focused, guys that can, you know, earn their and win their trust. I think you needed a good human being. And I'm not entirely sure that Josh McDaniel is a good human being. I hate to say it the other day. You know what I mean? I, I don't think he's a good human being. You know, from you, what, you, from you what, need from character. From track record from what yeah. we've seen, right? You know, like, you need character in a place like Vegas to try and get get around all these distractions and keep these boys, especially if, if you lose a guy like Derek Carr, who's effectively kind of a, you know, an assistant coach to a certain extent, right? Just given the, his track record and his leadership and the fact that he's a quality human being, keeping those boys focused, right? Well, <laughs> think, think about this, right? So think about what we saw in Denver, right? And we, we, we see that uh, I'm an athlete podcast with, with Brendan Marshall and them come out and, and yeah. talk about the whole McDaniels doing his own cheating and, and, and filming and all that stuff. That's right. Yeah. We, yeah. Right. So we, we hear about that. Then we, we, we know about the whole situation with Chris Ballard and Indy and the, the backpedal mm-hmm. and coming back to new England and, and all that went down. Have we heard one person, one, one, um, 
player that was under McDaniels come out and and come to the defense of McDaniels at all over all these years? No, nothing. Not one. Not no, one. Right. Hey, he's a he's a he's a stand up guy. He's a good man. The only thing I've ever heard is how pretty much McDaniels admitted that he was not a good human being and that he needed to fall back into his faith and he needed to do certain things to get himself better. And I, I agree with you. Like to me, that room was so behind Rich Basaccia that is he going to be able to create these relationships with Carr, with Max Crosby, with some of these leaders that were able to keep that room going and withstand all that circus that was happening in Vegas this year to get them even into a playoff spot because if he comes in there and he's the typical Josh McDaniels, as we've known him over these last years, um, that's just going to turn into a complete dumpster fire. I'm with you. And you, you're still writing checks here for Mayock and, and Gruden, right? And it's just yep. like, I don't know. I think, I think the safe play, if you really want to talk about culture and building an identity is you would have kept Passaccia in, in the head coaching position and, you just you surround him and compliment him with, you know, bright, progressive, you know, offensive and defensive coordinators. I guess. Well, who's the DC there? He's the guy from Jacksonville, right? What's his name? Um, isn't it the the former head coach in Jacksonville? What's his name? Or the he's a DC in Jacksonville. What's the guy's name in, in the DC uh, in Oakland? You weren't thinking Jack Del Rio, were you? No, not Jack. What's the what's the young guy? He had a head coaching gig for a bit, flamed out. I think he was in San Diego for a bit, isn't it? Am I right? Isn't he not the DC in, in Vegas? I uh, would. I'd have to look it up. Let's. Uh, let me look it up as we're as we're talking there, and then I'll uh, then I'll know. But I'm, I'm I'm drawing a blank on it right now. Uh, what's his name? Yeah. So we got five spots left. Three of them, old boy, are uh, are to me absolute joke. So we can completely to me go right by him. Like Jacksonville's been searching for a head coach since week four. Um, the Dolphins. Gus Bradley, Gus Bradley. Gus Bradley. There you go. Yeah, yeah Gus Bradley. Yeah, that's right. Um, the, the, so talk about these remaining jobs here. Yeah, the Dolphins are, uh, who knows, they've got bigger for Fry after what we heard today. Uh, Houston, who knows what's happening there with Houston. They got Josh McCowan. They had Brian Flores on there. Jonathan Gannon, an interesting candidate, this defensive coordinator from the Eagles. But the, the big one that I want to talk about, the Saints have gotten going. They've introduced some some decent candidates. But the, the one I want to talk to you about is is up there in Minnesota, in, in Twin Cities. Um, narrowed it down. D'Amico Ryan's back's out. So they're kind of down to Kevin O'Connell, Raheem Morris, and the return of Mr. Khaki himself, Mr. Harbaugh. Are the Vikings going to hire him? So let's t- before we before we talk about these Vikes, I just want to get your color on this one here. If you're if you're the Houston Texans, okay, a team that really for the most part, you know, if you're to build, you know, a wall of fame of Houston Texans, you know, alum, right? One of the first guys on that wall is the DC in in in, in San Francisco. How the hell are you not back in the truck up for D'Amico Ryan's and saying we want you to come in? and be our, 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 our head coach. Now, maybe he doesn't want that job. Maybe he's like, you know what, boys, this thing's a dumpster fire. You know, I'm a proud Texan, had some great years there, but I'm not coming back to this situation. Not until you figure out what's going on with your, with your quarterback and you figure out what's going on at the top of the house. But I just, you know, that's such a slam dunk, man. Yeah, he, I'm, you know? you're right. I'm shocked that he didn't even get a – didn't even get a look because he got a look in Minnesota. Yeah. And I think with the feeling with uh, Mike McDaniels, 
is the the front runner after Dable got hired in New York. I think Shani was kind of sitting there going, well, I, I don't want to lose both my coordinators. And they, I think they put the, the full court press on, on Ryan's to, uh, to kind of stay and, and, you know, lock the fort down defensively for them. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree with you a hundred percent for him to not get a look is, is absolutely stunning. So, sure. so about this Vikings job, let's, let's go, let's talk with the two guys in, in, in Los Angeles first, and then we'll work our way to Mr. Khaki here. Right. So, Let's start with Kevin O'Connell because this is an interesting situation, right? So, you know, similar to the guy who he replaced, Zach Taylor, who's now coaching, obviously, for the Bengals and the Super Bowl. You know, he's the OC by title, but he's not calling the plays, right? right? So it was interesting, right? Because it's kind of like Biennemi and KC, where I think you know, Biennemi is more, he is actually calling plays, but, you know, it's always, you know, as Reed there kind of is that dark cloud, is he ultimately the one, the brainchild behind game script and intergame management and whatnot, right? But it's, yep. it's interesting because, again, super hot name, right? I think O'Connell's name's been popping up all over the place, right? And I think yep. it's interesting because I think a lot of guys are going to look and see what Zach Taylor did. And since he and think, well, maybe we can see if we can replicate it with O'Connell and we can get a similar outcome. But you got to think, like, you know, I'm not entirely high on, on Taylor. I think, man, the guy just, you know, he had a couple real nice pieces in the draft fall on his lap. And you've had a couple guys which have just kind of taken that in and almost done what they've done, you know, in spite of him at times. You know what I mean? I, um, I agree. And, and he's had, they've had some things fall their way in the playoffs, no doubt. Like, there's, you know, they haven't, they haven't gone in like, you know, if, if Buffalo would have kept winning, that would have been totally different. Like even even Burrow, you look at Allen's numbers in the in the two playoff games to to what Burrow's done, it's not even close, right? Right. So, but yes, I I agree with what you're saying. Keep going. So, so for me, if I'm thinking the two guys in, in LA, the guy who I think is a more engaging hire is Raheem Morris, and it's because of the fact that he's one of the few guys out there that can bring both sides of the ball experience on both sides of the ball to the table, which is a rarity in the NFL these yep. days. Right. And you know, the Vikings have gone on and on and on talking about leadership and how he wants someone to be really that focal point, the King, you know, like the guy sitting on the throne who can kind of have, you know, an eye, a set of eyes and ears on both sides. Like a guy like that, who can come in and really be able to kind of help script things on both sides and not be biased one way or the other and have that full, that full lens, right, of on both sides of the ball. I just feel like that's a really engaging skill set to bring to the table. And and I'd love to see him get a crack, man. You know what I mean? I think it'd be great, you know? So, you know, um, I don't know. What are your thoughts? And then, and then obviously we got a guy like Harbaugh where he's going to bring that, the big name sex appeal. He's going to bring everything he brought with him when he was at Stanford and San Fran, and then obviously what he's done at Michigan. Um like that's a team that's underperformed for years, and we've talked about it, right? We've always gone on and on and on about how, you know, they're not getting the most of that talent. Um, you can make a case now that, like we said, like if if Rodgers leaves and Brady is now retired, is Cousins top three guy in the NFC? Maybe. Yep. yep. He's, he's, he's in the conversation with those. With If you can get more out of those weapons and you can really open things up with that wide receiving core and you can get guys healthy and have that running back as well too and as, be as explosive as you are, at the skill positions, I don't know who who would you think is the front runner for that job amongst those three. I here's what I think, and I and I said this to uh, to listener of the show Nino Barikas. He asked me today if you know is this going to happen. To me, on on signing day, on in the middle of the transfer window for the University of Michigan, Jim Harbaugh is flying out 
to Minneapolis, Minnesota. To me, that says it all right there. He's he's the front runner. They, they're yeah. going to offer him the job, and it, it'll be up to to Harbaugh. What I've you know between him and Balky back in in the 49ers days, it was always the the control over the roster. I think Harbaugh at this point, being this far removed from the NFL. Um, he's got a pretty good knowledge probably of, of what's happening on, on the college scene. So that would help him in terms of coming right in and maybe, you know, being able to quickly accumulate a draft board and some scouting reports and all the, those things that it, as you, you know, build towards the draft. So that would help him a little bit there, but I just don't, after all the smoke and mirrors of, of, you know, from Steven Ross down in Miami and always the front runner down there from what we heard two weeks ago, and then all of a sudden, oh, he's, he's up in Minnesota. And then yesterday we hear he hasn't even had an interview to now he's flying all the way out there. I just don't see you f- flying a guy like that all the way out there if you're not going to offer him the job. If, if this is just a first interview when you've got, like you said, two quality candidates coming from the Rams, D'Amico Ryans, who you interviewed last week as well, who obviously he's backed out now, but um, it, it's just, it doesn't make it wouldn't make any sense to me to fly him out there just to conduct a first interview when you've already interviewed a couple of guys twice, right? Yeah, I think well, he's a front runner. It, you know what? It's see, I have a hard time with this whole just because you're relevant in the college game, you can then bring because I don't know how much that actually translates over. Like, I really don't like so much of the college game is your ability to recruit talent, right? Like, are you are you a businessman? Are you able to go in there and sell? sell the world to some small family in a rural part of the South and, and bring a kid up to Michigan and have him play ball there and, and, you know, position, you know, as a power five school with, you know, ambitions of winning a national title. Like it's just, yeah. Yeah. I was more thinking just about, just about more. Do you know who's, who's out there in terms of draft and, and like players coming out and just having a, a general knowledge of, of who's going to be available in the draft and, and a working knowledge on that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just you know what, man. For me, Minnesota, and I don't know, maybe Harbaugh can 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 help him on that side. But it's the defense, man. They gotta get the defense going. They gotta get the defense humming. Like I know the the offense. I think if you just put an able-bodied OC in that chair and and kind of have them open the reins a bit and have like any of these young hotshot guys, these like, and and maybe they would want to do it because it'd be more of a lateral move. But I'm sure you could go out there and find like you know, a quarterback's coach or a passing coordinator, bring someone in from the college system to kind of come in um, and, and, and infuse some talent or some, you know, some different schemes and, and some progressive thoughts on the offensive side. It's the defense in Minnesota that was disappointing this year, man. You know, for me personally, I thought it was, you know, like. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. There's no doubt you got a defensive coach and, and it was bad. It was to be that poorly ranked the whole, in all of the categories. And blowing leads and and playing too conservative, to me, and and stop me if I'm wrong here, but I compare them the two teams that I compare right now together, and to me it's it's a little bit of an identity crisis, and that's the Tennessee Titans, and the Minnesota Vikings, and and it could change with with the the new coach coming in here and new regime, but to me, it's they've got star running backs with really really good receivers, and they just never figured out what they wanted to do. Are we going to run the ball? Are we going to yeah. pass the ball? Like it was, it was just that, that, and it was just game by game. It was almost like, okay, let's see what's hot. And, Oh, we're going to, we're going to, Oh, the passing game looks good today. Let's roll with that. Oh, the running game's good today. We'll roll with that. And it's like, 
No, figure out who you are and what you want to do and, and go from there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes down because, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, I, I, I think, you know, they're a couple pieces away from being above 500 and being right back in the playoff picture. You know I agree. Mean? I agree. Yeah. No doubt. Well, old boy, let's move on to uh, to point two, and that is Tom Brady. I don't know if he was on the yacht or on a yacht today, or I'm not too sure, but I definitely know in 2020 he was on a yacht with uh, Mr. Stephen Ross there. But uh... He was in a harbor on a yacht who happened to, you know, <laughs> his car broke down in the marina, and he just got on the yacht to make a call. That's I think that's how it all went down, right? Oh, exactly. my God. Um, but end of an era today, and it, it seems like yesterday's news already with the whole debacle of of what happened over the weekend. But he he's calling it a calling it a career. What a terrible way to go out in my mind is my first thought, and my second thought is it for for me, and I'm sure you. It's an, it's the end of an era. You look at Big Ben, Drew Brees, the Mannings, uh, Philip Rivers. To me, it's it's the end of of my teenage and and early twenties. Um, era of NFL football that that I that I once knew and and I still love and I and I will always love. But to me, that era is gone. That 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 whole echelon of QBs is. We've been talking about it for years. Oh, it's coming up. They're coming up. They're coming up. These guys are going to go, and they hung on probably five to seven to almost ten years longer than I thought they would. Um, obviously, because Tom playing so long. But to me, not only is it Brady going, but to me, it's the the end of an era uh, in terms of quarterbacks and. And that new echelon that we're going to talk about in a minute here is is here, and it's here to stay. Yeah, and you know what? It's um, it's just amazing how he went out because you know he's not going to win the MVP most likely, but he put up MVP type numbers. You know what I yep. mean? And it's just this you know this late career excellence, right? It's very you like the guys on five fifty were talking about today about you know you go around sport to sport and look at the legends of the game, whether it be. Jordan or Gretzky or Babe Ruth or you name it, right? And you look at how they kind of fizzled out in that last year, right? They get on the on the on the wrong side of you know thirty five into their forties, and it's just they fall off a cliff a bit, and they're not they kind of they whimper out the back door, and they don't, they don't you don't re- remind you of the guy that you know you remember you know in their prime, but yet you know here's a guy who what he threw for forty touchdowns what the last couple of years wasn't back to back years throwing over forty? Yep, yep, it's amazing, right? And I think. You know, so it's funny. I was I was talking with a guy today, and I was saying, you know, yeah, what's your favorite? you're right because if you do look at that that batch of quarterbacks that I mentioned, sorry to cut you off there, but no, no, you look at Breeze couldn't push the ball down the field the last few years, right? You look at Big Ben, just a shell, like a like he didn't even want to watch the games anymore because you remembered him in in '04 and and '8 and '9 and just how much of a beast he was, and he's just a shell of himself. Peyton, yeah, he won a Super Bowl, but you know, I'll always remember nine, t- nine, nine touchdowns, seventeen interceptions in that that last season. Right? Oh, the last year in Denver was was atrocious. You yeah. know, and then you look at, uh, you know, Eli was he fell off the fell off the cliff quite sharply, and the only guy that kind of stayed decent till the end was was Rivers. That was he was still sure. decent, right? But he was the only one. You're right. So so answer me this because you know so you start talking right about you know the next shoe to drop right in terms yep. of. There's a team that still has a ton of talent, right, on both sides of the ball. That team's still ready to win, right? 
and it's not going to be Kyle Trask stepping in. No. So, so who steps in? Who's their quarterback week one next year, starting quarterback in Tampa? So I got I got three names off the top of my head. So the first one is, is I'll give you, it's the, probably the most obvious one, and we've talked about him already. He's going to be the MVP, Aaron Rodgers. I think, I think if, like you mentioned it, if Aaron Rodgers is smart, he's, he looks at the, the landscape of the NFL and goes, what is my easiest route to get to the Super Bowl? Because that's got to be his goal right now. Yeah, Just getting there, let alone winning it is a separate story, but how can I get there to give myself that opportunity? And it's, it's clearly to stay within the NFC. You don't want anything to do with the AFC and the, the gauntlet of quarterbacks that are going to be rotating through these Super Bowl opportunities over the next 10 years. The other option to me. No, but let's okay, back it up for a second here. There's yeah. the hell did the Packers trade him inside the conference though? Because he's still under contract, right? I so, know. Yes, I know. So, yes. so, but, but so what does that price point, tag look like, right? It, but if it gets like? if it gets if it gets hairy up there in Green Bay, then you've got to you've got to recoup assets somehow. I at that point there, I'd rather say here's fifty cents in the dollar, go to Denver, just so I don't have to see unless I see in the Super Bowl. I just I wouldn't want to have to because you know. Eh, Green yeah. Bay most likely still wins that division potentially next year, even with Jordan Love or someone else more seasoned under center. And it's, I don't know, man. Like, yeah. do you really want to have to cross paths with that guy again? I wouldn't. I, I'd, I'd find a way to get him the hell out of the conference. And, and okay, take so less. I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay within the same division. Okay. I'm gonna go to another quarterback. What ha- What happens if the new coach comes in? Whether it's Harbaugh or it's Morris, and they w- they want to move on. Kirk Cousins. Sure. Right, they, yeah, they're going to be one of the the Vikings. I think they're probably in the early teens in terms of of picks, probably somewhere around eleven, twelve. I haven't looked at that final order there, but they're probably eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, somewhere in that range. Yeah, um, they move up. They like a quarterback. They could go that route. They could, who knows if they, uh, you know, like somebody else in terms of coming in and being a stopgap until they get their quarterback. And then my last guy. And it has to be, you know what? He's been to the Super Well, not he made it to the conference game this year, Super Bowl, two years ago. But he's on his way out in San Fran. We all yeah, know that. Jimmy, Jimmy yeah. G. Yeah, I think the Jimmy G one makes a ton of sense as well, too. That one I can see. Um, but all three of those guys are in the conference. No, I know they are. I know they are. So what about what about Deshaun? Does he find a way there at all? Like, do they do they? Like, if I'm going to go out there, I'm going to spend all this draft capital to bring in an established star, right? Whether it be a Russell or, like, this thing, all the names out there, these guys in the NFC to talk about, right? Cousins, Jimmy, Russell Wilson, um, Aaron Rodgers. What about a guy like Deshaun Watson, yeah. right? If, if, if somebody's going to sell him on it, Bruce Arians is, he's a salesman, man. That guy, that guy can, with his track record, with the quarterbacks that he's, been involved with and, and I know Leftwich was was there helping out, but we all know that that Bruce Arians had his definitely had his two cents in what that offense was and what it looked like. Um, you know he's got a hell of a track record with quarterbacks, and if he, he could sell it, he could sell it. I would not discount that option at all. Well, and I also was thinking about you know like listen, I'm not going to go ahead and throw famous Jameis under the bus, but that guy didn't exactly have a sparkling rap sheet when he came into the NFL and they had no problem investing a first overall pick in the guy. Like, I think there's something there that would be a pretty nice fresh start for the kid, get out of the AFC altogether, 
Houston can send him across, and maybe they send a couple nice pieces back. I don't know what it looks like. It probably most likely be a, a bunch of picks, and maybe they can throw, you know, who knows? Maybe they throw like a young piece off that defense. I'm just throwing like a name, like you know, like an Antoine Winfield. There's something like that, like yep. a, like a you know, somebody yep. come or in Joe, and start. Yep, you know, Joe Tryon, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something yep. like yeah, yeah, Joe Tryon, something like that. Like you know, send some current guys on on the fifty three man roster plus some picks, and and away you go, and, and put a package together to so that, you know they can move on, and away you go. But no, it'd be interesting to see how that all shakes down because I hate to say it, man, that was the first thing that came to my mind was okay, great, yeah, we already know you're on your way out, um, but now what happens, right? What's who? What's the next shoe to drop? So and, I, and how about this one? I'm just going to get your comment on it here. I I texted you about it today, but like, do you think you know as these Pats fans on online and everyone's losing their damn mind today about how he didn't give any love today? There's no love. He didn't talk about the New England Patriot fans at all today, right? It was all about the Bucks and the Glazer family and the rest of it and all the and all the you know his last couple of years in Tampa. What's that all about? Talk to uh, me about it. Originally, I thought you know what, I I think he's I think he's going to do something with the Patriots. But the more and more now that, that everything's gone down, and especially if his name starts to get brought up in here with this whole Flores and uh, lawsuit and every, everything happening there, I don't know. I, I don't know if it, that it is going to happen. It could be a long, long time down the road. And he, he kind of twisted the knife a little bit on Pat's fans on, on Twitter with a couple of his comments. And he did, you know, give a quick little shout-out, but it was very – Oh yeah, like it was quick and just like it was not what it should have been after all those years. Yeah. After after twenty years playing for one franchise, everything they've that you know you've done for them and they've done for you. Um, I loved it because of you know you like seeing Pat's fans squirm a little bit, but oh. um, I don't know. I don't know if he's. I think I think that a lot of that had to do with how it ended in New England. Yeah, I, I think it was a little uh, finger in the air back across the the bow, if you will. Yeah, I don't know. I loved it though. I thought it was. I think the. I think he would. He did that on purpose. That that was so definitely purposeful. That wasn't like, oh yeah, it slipped my mind. Are you kidding me? That guy had that thing prepared for a couple of weeks now. He had everyone, you know, in his in his circle of trust there, screening that thing and putting it all together. So yeah, yeah I'm and with you. You don't think one, not one of those people would have said like, hey, you got you got nothing in New England uh, in here. Like, is that? And, and he would have definitely been like, oh yeah, I gotta add that or. No, we're not putting anything in. You know what I mean? Like it's that's definitely purposeful. That was sure. all purposeful for sure. It was so. Okay, so we come off of a, a an amazing, possibly the the most competitive divisional round. I won't say the best because I went through the podcast last week and I didn't think it was the best football ever in terms of what we've seen in the divisional round. But in terms of finishes and how close the games were, competitive wise, it was amazing. It was probably one of the best weekends. To topping it off here on championship uh, weekend to really put a bow tie on, on these playoffs. What are your uh, thoughts on the, the, uh, the conference championship games, the quarterbacks, Mahomes, I got something I want to run by you with Mahomes uh, as well. You know what, man, good on the Bengals. I just, you know, like two years ago, this team won two games, two games, I know, two games. And like, you know, it's they're playing with house money. You got a kid under center that is totally unfazed, super cool. Like this whole like super cool Joe type thing, this you know, smooth Joe, cool Joe. Like it's true. The kid has this thing about him where it's like, you know, I think back to the Tennessee game, right? I know it wasn't last week, it was a couple weeks ago, but I think back to the Tennessee game where it was what eight, nine times the kid gets sacked. Nine times, yep. 
kept getting up again, kept making plays. The craziest stat about Joe Burrow that, you know, someone said to, uh, the other day on the radio, and I, I couldn't believe it, was one of the first times, I don't know if it's ever, but the first times in a long time it's happened where the guy had was number one in completion percentage and number one in yards per attempt. Like, that blows your mind. Because you always say, okay, completion percentage, that's because he's dinking and dunking it, high yeah. percentage throws. Yeah. This guy's bombing the ball down the field. Now, a lot of it has to do with the fact that you got a guy like Jamar Chase where, you know, you want to talk about instant chemistry and just, you know, it's 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 been impressive. But I thought, you know, man, it was the defensive side of the ball last week. Like, let's talk about that. Like, let's talk about those adjustments that they made at halftime. Like, didn't it not feel like, you know, obviously you look back, hindsight's twenty twenty, but you look back and you see, you know, that stop and basically the final play of the first half, you know, keeping them out, right? And then, you know, those adjustments in the second half, only rushing three, spying him, like spying Mahomes, dropping eight into coverage, and just Tyreek Hill didn't have a catch in the second half. Not one. No, not one. It's just unbelievable, right? Like for a team that wasn't known for their defense, you know, that front, you know, I'd say front four, but, you know, Hendrickson and, and Hubbard, man, four sacks and a pick. They made him uncomfortable, and this that second half performance, man, really impressive. So, so here's and this is a perfect segue into what I wanted to, to talk about because I agree with you on your bro point, totally, totally bang on, old boy, yeah, cool customer. Don't discount T Higgins; he was really, really solid in the, in that game, and he was part of the reason why they were able to come back because he was able to be the the Gabe Davis that that second option. But in terms of Mahomes, and hear me out here. And it, and, and it could be a hot take. It could be piling on, but I don't care because I've thought it through today. And I, I firmly believe it. I don't know if Patrick Mahomes is going to end up to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He, he, I, I, and here's why. Let's go back in his history and look at some of these big games, right? You look at uh, the New England game in the AFC Championship game. They, they stifled them. Right? Yeah, they stifled them in the second half, right? Causing New England for that, the and uh, you know the classic Brady comeback. You go to the Super Bowl that he did win. He's a hail mary away, hail mary in completion away from maybe not winning that Super Bowl. That's right. You look at a few games this year where it was we're going to go too high and do these things. You look at the Cincinnati game, and they were able to completely shut him down in the second half. And here's my point about Patrick Mahomes is I don't know if Patrick Mahomes mentally and cerebrally is is that elite. He, he may get there, but I just don't know if he's there yet. He's not he's not Manning, he's not Brady. He's not the evolution of what we've seen out of out of Josh and 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 some other quarterbacks and Russ and some of these guys. If you can go off of script, if you can show something whether it be for a quarter or the second quarter, and then you and then you flip the script on him. He to me, he doesn't have the the mental capacity right now as a quarterback to be able to distinguish what he's seeing on the field in real time, out of half, out of a quarter, to flip that and go, okay, we need to do this. I think he needs Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy to do that for him. I.e., what we've seen in those three games when he threw 13 picks in the in the in the regular season, his highest ever. He needs them to be able to distinguish and go. Okay, we need to start running the short game. L- look what happened in the in the second half. So, 
to me, I, I think, I think Bianami and Reed had a, have a lot to do with what happens with Mahomes. And I think that in terms of the adjustments, you mentioned the, the Russian three dropping one as a spy. And not only that, they also ran cover one robber. So what they, to me, what they were doing was they completely took the middle of the field away from yeah. Mahomes. So those deep overs, those, those crossing routes that we saw Hill kill Buffalo with. That's right. Hardman, all those, those quick little, those mesh concepts, all those concepts, those were all taken away because Hubbard's dropping back or Henderson's dropping back. So they're, they're picking up those five to seven yard short inter- intermediate routes over the middle of the field. Then you've got the cover one robber safety coming in with Bates or Von Bell and they're taking away Kelsey. And now all of a sudden you've got two, those two guys that, you know, he goes to all the time over the middle of the field and you've got four or five guys taken away in the middle of the field. I think they challenged him to throw the ball the outside, and Mahomes couldn't figure out what to do. And I'm I'm really starting to question whether Patrick Mahomes mentally, if if defenses change things up, and if he doesn't have time to to figure it out in terms of weeks on end or or uh, halftime adjustments or whatever it may be, I, I don't know if he's mentally cerebral enough to to figure it out in real time. I really don't. Oh boy. Well, it's it's he has to mature. He still, I, I still feel like he has to mature in his game, and he's that he's that wild stallion still. That's so physically gifted that sometimes he can just rely on making plays yep. instinctually, right? And just and fitting in there and arm angle stuff, and just not to mention, like you know, you saw the audio from that game against Buffalo, right? The final drive there, that was all Kelsey. That's eighty-seven yep. to that whole thing, man. Like, you see how smart that guy is, right, in terms of yeah. his football IQs through the roof, right? And it's just like he's telling Tyreek to go on that first play. Then he's telling Patty, you know, hey, if they line up here, I'm taking this, you know, in the middle of the field in that little skinny post. And then, you know, it's just, you know, you wonder, right? Like, is this kid, is he not maybe just, you know, a product of his environment and, and, and you know, whether it be the coaching and the, the other talent around him and that. Because that's what's going to separate the best, right? The best is it's that consistency. It's the ability to react on the fly and see what they're throwing your way and in-game be able to go ahead and, 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 and counteract with the defenses, changing up at halftime. And there's no excuse for that offense to have done what they did in the second half. No way. Not against that defense, man. You can, you know, I get we go on and on about, you know, the effectiveness of those two DNs and Cincy, and I get it. Those boys are both like, well, the one's an all-pro, and the other one had a really great year as well, too, right? And yeah, Hubbard, and, and, but you know, you don't think Buffalo tried to to spy him in slow Russian, and and that's what I said. Like, you know, everybody's got these great ideas to to throw the spy, and the spy is great, but it's it's the whole Michael Vick thing. Your spies, your spies only is only effective if they're a good enough athlete to catch who they're spying. And when you put Mario Addison to spy Patrick Mahomes, not going to work. Not gonna right. When you put Jerry Hughes to spy Patrick Mahomes, not going to work. But when you got Hubbard and Hendrickson who can keep up with them and get them to the ground on those spies, then it, then it can actually become effective. Right. No, it's, it's interesting, right? Because every year this kid's now like, listen, you know, like I get it, you know, that would have been what, that would have been the third Super Bowl in a row. You would have potentially been, if he had, he won that game and it's, Listen, the rest of the league's catching up, right? They're, 100%. Right? Josh is on his ass. Burrow's on his ass. Herbert plays him tough every time. He's actually had his number more often than not, right? Like, yep. he's coming. Even, even Cars beat him a couple times. Cars beat him a bunch, right? Like Vegas. You know, Lamar's going to give him a, a rough time as well, too. Like, the AFC is so fully loaded. 
man, I, you know, honestly, as a football fan right now, like, you know, I think about the young guys watching ball these days. And these are going to be the crop that they grow up with. You're just talking about, you know, Brady being the end of an era for us. The AFC is so loaded up, man. And and, and there's there's going to be more, right? Like, listen, there's going to be more guys at the top now. Like, we're not even talking about Trevor Lawrence yet. Trevor wait Lawrence, that guy yeah. figures it out, right? Like, yep. wait till he figures it out. Wait, wait till maybe Zach Wilson figures it out. Maybe what if, what if Baker Mayfield rebounds? Right. Right. It's it's amazing, man. I, I, I think, you know what, good on Cincy. You know, jeez, man, they're talking, you know, beginning of the year, 101. 101 to 1. Crazy yeah. numbers, man, to win this whole thing, right? Like, good on our good friend, you know, Tyler Wolf. I'm happy for him, man. You know, these things don't come around very often, man. You nope. gotta enjoy the moment, right? Because I, I listen, I get it now with Burrow and what they got there. This is they're gonna be in the run in the in the in the running in the hunt for more often than not now, but you never know, right? You got when these things happen, you gotta really embrace the moment, right? So for sure. And and the, the one last point before we move on to the, the NFC championship game. To me, KC's in a in a real interesting spot now because that cap number goes up for Mahomes, similar to what it's going to do for Buffalo and Allen sure, after, after sure. next year. So there's a lot of big name players that are, <laughs> that are potentially walking out that door this year. So to me, these next couple of years, to me for Mahomes, will really either shut my mouth and I'll be dead wrong and I'll be the first guy to put my hand up, or is it is it the end of their little four or five year window? Where now it is going to have to be Mahomes, like it was did have to be Russell Wilson there for Seattle. Um, Pittsburgh struggled after Big Ben signed a you know his second big deal. So to me, it's a, a real interesting time for for KC and, and that fan base and that franchise. Yeah, you just you got to keep hitting right. And the problem is when you're drafted in the high twenties every year in the first round, it's just at that point there, you know, you got to really rely on your scouts and your player development to bring guys in and have them come in and be impactful right and so you know the whole edwards hilaire pick yep that looks like dog shit right now right like there's a kid where it's like it just hasn't panned out i know what they envisioned when they brought him in you know this patch this you know three down pass catching back who could be dynamic on the backfield and run between the tackles like he did at lsu and it just hasn't really worked out for a variety of different reasons but you know what do they always say you know you don't draft running backs in the first round you know, in a team like Kansas City, what the hell are you doing drafting running back in the first round? Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you're a passing team, right? You're a passing team, man. What do you yeah. you know, you don't need that. You know, you could you could throw anyone back there, as you could see. Like it's not a it's not a core part of the game. Jarek McKinnon came off the off the couch, man, and was, you know, effective. You know what I mean? So Yeah. Anyway, let's go to the NFC. What do you got? NFC. I here's my thought on the NFC. Um razor thin um levels in terms of winning and losing and with Stafford almost throwing that pick to Tart, all that stuff. But what I was truly disappointed in, what I took away from that football game was just the poor coaching in the second half from both of those guys. I expected more, you know, sometimes you, you hear the hype and you buy into it a little bit, but a couple things that stand out to me, and I'll start with, with Sam Fran. Um, and I get what he was trying to do on that. I think it was second and one. It's seventeen to seven. Um, it could have been. It might have actually been seventeen fourteen. There's about nine minutes left in the game. You've got the ball in positive territory, and you you run the ball. You lose one. Now it's third and two, and he goes ahead and, and he he calls that Trent Williams fake. Yeah, 
and I get it. I get it. You, you've shown that on film a couple times over the course of the last couple of weeks in the playoffs. Sure. It's, a, it's a big name, you know, or a big play that's been seen nationwide on all the highlights, you know, Kyle Brandt and angry runs and all that stuff. So, you know, it's out there. I, I understand it, but then to not go for it on fourth and two, like to me, you, you, you've got to play action on one of those downs and, and take a shot and go try to win the game. And then when you have it on fourth and two, you know the momentum's back on their side now because it was 17 to 14. And and you just pull a little wimpy punt there, expecting your defense to hold. I just thought Shanahan really in, in that moment in the game when they could have really taken the grasp of the game, I think he I think he failed his team. And then the same with, with McVeigh. Like twice he gets down down into the red zone and it just, you know run and then on a third and three um to to go ahead and win the game they're at the 18 yard line and he calls a screen pass with matthew stafford who's red hot and he calls a screen on third and three then looks at stafford and says hey it's my fault like i just i just thought both both coaches kind of overcoached it took the ball out of their quarterback's hands I just didn't didn't like their whole second half coaching, let alone McVay wasting all of his timeouts, poor challenges. I thought the coaching was piss poor in the second half in that game. Uh, I'm with you. Both guys have a ton of strengths in terms of being creative, offensively gifted, you know, in terms of their play call and their schemes and the way they see the game. But I'm with you, man. Game management was not one of their strengths on both sides in terms of their ability you know, well, he said that the two things with McVay, you know, he lost those two challenges and even just, you know, he also was conservative a couple of times on fourth down decisions as well, too, yeah. right? Well, and, the, and the, the third wasted timeout, you could totally hear was all him because in the audio you hear Stafford cursing and swearing and then they, they try to get the play and then he calls the timeout and, and Stafford just didn't even go over to the sidelines. You could tell Stafford was furious with it because of a late play call coming in. You know, not to already segue into the, into the big game here, but like both of these coaches, like in-game decision making is going to be huge. It's a major yep. storyline in the Super Bowl, um, and it almost kind of you know it's too bad that you didn't have this grizzled vet like an Andy Reid, someone on the other side. Like it's almost it's too bad you didn't have Andy Reid sitting on that Bengals sideline, something like that, to kind of walk in and almost be like this intimidating in-game presence. I'm using him as an example. It's someone yep. of that ilk that, that yep. would be on the other side <clears throat> who could potentially outcoach the kid in a big game and make up for a little bit of a difference in talent because it's there for the taking. I feel like McVay is going to give you, unfortunately, because I'm a big McVay guy, but I think he's going to give you a couple opportunities, and it's whether or not the Bengals could take advantage of it in the big game. I think there's going to be opportunities for them to take advantage of his in-game mismanagement. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think he's McVay's got a lot to prove. Um, to, Big to the national media after that that Super Bowl, would they score six points against the Patriots? That was right. ugly, man. Ugly. It was ugly, ugly. The, the you know people weren't happy with the game plan, the in-game stuff. Like to me, he's you know I know he's the boy wonder and the wizard, and you know <clears throat> I sent you that clip of him. I love that clip. Remember plays I, I, from I from years ago, but yeah. But uh, I agree. A couple big matchups that I wanted to get to, and we'll end it off here, old boy. Uh, obviously, Ramsey and Chase. Huge, huge uh, matchup there. The the second one, and you're you're wondering, and this is where I think Mixon comes in big. <clears throat> that Rams D line against the Bengals O line, 
Bengals O line is not going to be able to stop them. So I think the the use of some screens and Joe Mixon, um, if they can get a guy like CJ Uzama back on those, you know, just those little four or five yard sure. tight end hook routes, just keeping them in manageable down and distance is crucial. And then on the other side, the Bengals secondary, how how are they going to cover Cup and OBJ? And then the Bengals D line, they've got to they've got to get after and they've got to withstand that challenge of uh, finding a way to get after Stafford. He's not mobile. If, if those two big boys on the edge, like you said, can get after him, then it'll make it tough for, for the Rams. They need to have a big game because yeah. I think right now, if you look at it, the Rams probably have the edge on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Yep. I think they do. Right. Um, I'm not worried about Burrow getting his, you know, his ass beat, you know, because I think he's proven that like he can take pressure. So, Donald and Miller and Floyd, they're going to get home. They're going to cause problems. They're going to bring him down in a couple of big sacks, but the kid doesn't force it. He's going to be smart with the ball. I think, you know, you mentioned Cup and Chase, and I agree. You got two guys now that could full-on just dominate, take over a game as those wide receiver ones, but I'm more excited to see those wide receiver twos. I think OBJ and T. Higgins end up having a massive impact on the outcome of this game. Um T. Higgins, man, like, let's talk about this kid for a second. Yeah, you, you talked about him on the weekend. You're right. He was the reason why. In that fourth quarter, where was he going? He was going to him, man. Big body over the middle, you know, like these contested catches. On 100%. Like, he made a couple of real nice six. catches. Man, you know what? <clears throat> the kid, you know, I remember when he was at Clemson, they always say a little bit of a raw prospect. The reason why he fell in the second round is, you know, it almost kind of had like a DK. I'm not saying he's DK Metcalf, but it had that same type of a, of a like a, of an analysis or an evaluation of him in that a raw root runner, pretty limited in terms of what he could do. Um, not as fluid as some of these more like just physical raw athletes that are more a little more crafty and a little bit more of a of a technician. But yet he's so physically dominant, man. Like his ability to catch contested balls. And I just he's such a nice one A or you know or one A one B with with Chase like you know and that's the thing with that Bengals team man they got Burrow they got Ch- all these young guys on rookie deals for the next like couple of years like just wait till they start loading up in free agency on that offensive line and you know yeah. adding some more pieces on the defensive side like they're here for a while man this team's gonna be here for a while for sure. So. Yeah, and to me, they're they're on the opposite end of, of what Kansas City's at. Kansas City's got those established stars, you know, those guys, a couple guys that they're going to have to pay coming up here um, or they're going to walk out the door or lose them. You know, those rookies eventually in two, three years down the road, you're going to have to renegotiate a contract with, with a couple of those guys or they're going to leave as compared to right now. You're right, since he's at the start of their window. So for them to get there is, is huge, no doubt. It's going to be a great game, you know, like, I guess the line's at three and a half, four. Um, that's a good number. And you know what? You're going to get, like, I'm not sure how much of a home field advantage you're really going to get. And yeah, I, I, I'm going to say that too. Yep, I agree. This, I don't think like, you're going to get that. Come on, man. This isn't like they're walking to Lambeau or something like that. Like, come on, man. It's it's a it's a place like L.A. where even on the weekend, like, the Niners took over that stadium. Like, you, everywhere you looked was red, red and white, man. Like, you know, red, white, and gold. They took over that thing. Like, I'm not – it's LA, right? Like, come on, man. Those guys are they're, they're the epitome of a fair weather fan. It's all about, you know, Hollywood celebs, you know, showing their face and and not even watching the game, yeah. but just being in attendance and whatnot. Like, how many real true diehard fans do you have in LA? Come on now, right? Like no, no. And and you're seeing that. You're seeing that. But this is this is huge for the NFL. The, their biggest market makes the Super Bowl at home. 
this could be the start of somewhat of a, a you know a fan base for LA um, in terms of moving forward down the next 10 15 years but right now I, I think I think uh, Houday Nation I think there's going to be tons of Bengals fans down there tons man yeah tons and and, and, and probably well be right like you know what's it been 88 you know yeah. it's funny I was I was reading a little stat here today and, and you know you look at the history of the game and you look at you know Paul Brown and 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 the Ben the Bengals and the fact that you know the Cincinnati Bengals really only came about because Paul Brown got fucking ousted out of Cleveland by Art Modell yep goes down the street starts up his own team in Cincinnati just to purely go get at Cleveland a couple times a year and and basically in you know in, in fact some revenge and and here you go and they've now made the Super Bowl three times now and over since the last time the Brownies made the Super Bowl and I think you know what good on 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 the Bengals because I know for us like we're a little bit too young for it, but in the 80s man this was a team this is a franchise a real proud franchise that you know was playing meaningful ball games and was you know, I'm. I, it's. I love. You know, like a a football hotbed like Ohio having relevant football being played there, and good on them. And actually, one of my dad's cousins is actually my dad has family in in, in Cincinnati, and uh, they're they're jacked up for that one, man. So oh, I'm, I love I'm happy it. about it. Yeah. Well, listeners, hope you enjoyed a little chat there with old boy myself. Look out for that Super Bowl uh, preview next week. Some live stuff as well as we get closer and closer to kickoff. Sunday, February the thirteenth, from SoFi Stadium. Old boy, thanks for your monthly uh, your monthly visit. Always a good time chatting uh, a little ball with you. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me, pal. I'm looking forward to the, to the next couple of weeks here ahead of the big game, and uh, let's hope everyone stays. You know, this is the thing now, right? Let's hope everyone stays COVID free and 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 ready to go because you know you're going to be out in LA and there's going to be things going down, and that's you know, right. The last, last thing I want is something like that where you get a couple big names that aren't able to play in the game because they're out buzzing around the city at parties and whatnot and they end up getting sick, right? So, yeah, let's just hope everyone's there and you get you get best on best, right? So, No doubt. Folks, make sure you're following us along Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and our YouTube channel. We've got that running as well. Give us a subscribe, rate, review the podcast, share it with your friends. Thanks again, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Here comes the, here comes the, here comes the, y'all don't really want it like yeah. Here comes the, no, here comes the, Real life passion for real life sports. All right, folks, welcome back from break. Hope you enjoyed a little segment there from Triple G and some great football talk with the old boy. Always good having him on, as you guys know. Mainstay on the show. Try to get him on uh, once every four to six weeks. So good to have the old boy uh, on, especially on this day with uh, so much going on in the world of football. Now let's transition over as football's winding down. Only got a couple more episodes for all of the golf fans out there. Bear with me. Got a couple more weeks of heavy football, and then we'll uh, start firing up the golf, and it'll flip over to the uh, the first segment on the podcast here, and we'll uh, start to devi- uh, deviate a little bit more time to towards the world of golf, and uh, we'll have some guests on as well as we move into the spring and the summer. But let's get into it this week. Uh, we're still off on the Champions Tour until February 18th. They will return, the old boys will, at Tiburon Golf Club in Florida 
for the uh, for the Chubb Classic. So we're we're off there. The ladies they will finish their three um, tournaments in Florida before they have a, a month off and come back at uh, at the start of March. So we are in Florida for the uh, Drive On Championship in Fort Myers at Crown Colonial Golf and Country Club. Um, typical ladies set up par 72, 6,600 yards. Daniel Kang wins the first event, and Lydia Cole wins last week. But our girl, Brooke Henderson and Marion LeBlanc, were inside of the uh, the top 15. But Brooke with back-to-back top 10s to start the season uh, with a T6 uh, last week and a second in the opening event. Another full-field event here in Florida for the ladies at the drive-on as they move over from Boca Raton to Fort Myers. And... Um, the big names are in the house before the ladies close up and head over to Thailand um, for some overseas events. And then they're back to Cali for uh, about four or five weeks um, at the start of March uh, to really kick off uh, and get the LPG Tour season really uh, humming and going for the spring and summertime. So look for Brooke to have, a, Brooke to have another good event here. And look for those big names on the LPGA uh, Ladies Tour to uh, to be at the top of the field here as we've had two big winners in Kang and Co. in the first couple events here. So I don't see that changing in terms of what's happening out there on the LPGA Tour. Big week uh, on the DP World Tour, the Asian Tour, um, as the Saudi International uh, makes, its, uh, makes its way around large appearance fees Probably the best field in golf um, this week in terms of uh, Corn Ferry, LPGA, uh, DP World Tour because they are, uh, you know, at the uh, at the Alcanon Championship. Um, so not a great field for the DP World Tour as Saudi has, uh, with their appearance fees, has has a pretty significant field from Mickelson to Abraham Answer, Bryson, Bubba, DJ, Paul Casey. Uh, Patrick Reed, Xander, Tyrrell Hatton, Tony Finau, Shane Lowry, Kevin Na, Lee Westwood, Poulter, Stenson, Harold Varner III, Sergio, just to name a few. So pretty significant field in in, in Saudi. The purse has jumped up from 3.5 to 5 million. So um, huge event last year. DJ was the winner here in 2021. Um, but it'll be real interesting to see kind of uh, what happens here. Rumor has it in the next couple of days they're going to announce somewhat of a schedule here for these ten events coming out um, from this tour. So and and this funding. So we'll see what happens there in terms of Greg Norman and his announcements this week. If they make make any uh, headway there or they come out with some sort of schedule to see here. But they are up against uh, as we know the Pebble Beach and the uh, the AT and T uh, Pro Am here, but. Um, It'll be interesting to see who takes that down, that big field event down there in Saudi. Um, great event last week on the DP World Tour at the Dubai Desert Classic. Victor Hovland takes it down with a final round 66, finishing birdie, eagle birdie. I mentioned, I didn't have it on our picks, on our Thursday morning picks, but I mentioned Rory McIlroy winning that event last week, and he had an opportunity from 266 yards out. He went for the uh, the green on the par 5 18th. Hit it in the water, made bogey, um, ended up, um, I believe, in third place, losing by two strokes. But uh, Birdie there would have gotten him into a playoff with Hovland and Richard Bland. How about Richard Bland, by the way? Great story. Hope he keeps it going. But uh, Padraig Harrington again with another great finish. So 
Um, he is playing in the regular DP World Tour event for Podrick, so look out for him. Look out for my boy uh, Robert McIntyre as well as he's playing there. But huge win for Hovland, 66 in the final round, and a good field event there at Dubai Desert Classic. Good way to get his uh, his year started for Victor. And over to the Pebble Beach AT&T Pro-Am. We know uh, they're going to play three different golf courses as usual. And uh, that will be the event this week. Last week we had some uh, hit and miss on our picks. But uh, Ryan Palmer bogey 16 and 18 to finish just outside of the top 10. And with a birdie on 18, he actually, I believe, would have snuck into the top five for our each way bet at 85 to 1. So... We almost snuck through with some good value there for Palmer, so we are getting close. But Luke List, late in the night uh, on Saturday evening, nothing better than prime time golf on Friday and Saturday nights. That was absolutely spectacular. Luke List takes it down with an amazing um, wedge shot in there as he was taken on uh, Will Zalatoris in the in that playoff. Are there picks Finau and Homa missed the cut? It's that type of golf course, Tory Pines. It really, um, when you look at over time and over history, there's not too many players that really dominate that golf course year in and year out. Uh, they'll be good for a couple years, then miss the cut. It's it's just a it's just an absolute beast. And if your game is not on on that south course, uh, look out. And that's what happened to Tony Finau and, and Max Homa. They had a good uh, first round on the north course and and got chewed up and spat out on the south course. So. Um, great event at the Farmers Insurance. We had nine Canadians there. Only four made the cut. A um, couple low, low finishes, but uh, Nick Taylor and Taylor Pendrith both inside the top 30. Taylor with a 30th finish and Pendrith with a solid T16 finish. Um, really starting to learn uh, what it's like to be around on the weekend on the PGA Tour. So hopefully you can take that as a good learning experience and move forward with it. This week on AT&T, we've got seven Canadians in the field. And uh, so hopefully we can continue. Let's get to our picks here to end off this week's episode. Like I said, we'll have them up on all the social media fronts on Thursday morning before they tee off in California, in Monterey. But uh, Dutch is back in the saddle for some picks now, folks. So we'll start with his his big gun of the week, 22-1. to 1. He's taken Jordan Spieth, his rock steady pick of the week. He's taken my man who I took last week. Good solid pick here. Palmer plays well here. He's taken 45 to 1 Ryan Palmer. And he's throwing out the American flag. He's going USA, USA across the board. Three Americans. Great value pick here at 90 to 1. He's played really well at this event and on these golf courses. And that is Joel Damon. 90 to 1. Great pick. A sneaky big gun pick of the uh of the week. I don't have him on mine, and neither did Dutch. But watch out for Maverick McNeely, twenty-five to one. He's worth a shekel or two, listeners out there. So if you don't want to go with a couple of the other big guns in this event, um, and you still want to get a little bit of value, but have a guy that's really showed out inside the top ten here the last two years, looking for a breakout season, watch out for Maverick McNeely. And over to my picks now. We'll start from the bottom. Now we hear. And I mentioned him uh, last week with a T30. He's 110 to 1. Listen, uh, 39th in, in last year in this event. He won in 2020 and T28 in 2019. So he's played well on these golf courses. He's comfortable out on the West Coast. I'm taking the Canadian. I'm taking Nick Taylor to be uh, my long shot at 110 to 1. Throw some uh, money on that each way inside the top 5 or 10, wherever you get it. Um, that's worth it as well. 
my rock steady pick of the week at 55 to 1 solid at the at these golf courses in this event 2019 he was t7 2020 he was second and 2021 other than a bad final round he finished 13th um, struggled coming home on the last few holes and that's kevin streelman 55 to 1 is my rock steady top 10 of the week and my big gun i didn't take spieth didn't take mcneely but this guy's absolutely dominated out here at pebble beach he was t3rd last week was right there after the hole out on hole 14 as you guys know and gals know he's 22 to 1 so still decent value listen i'm gonna go all the way back to 2016 he was t11 2017 he was t5 2018 he was t2 2019 and 20 he was t4 and t4 and last year he was t7 listen that's six years straight worst finish t11 great value for 22 to 1 his game is sharp and he looks healthy and back. I'm taking Jason Day as my big gun of the week. We got Day. We've got Streelman. We've got Nick Taylor. Dutch has got Spieth, Palmer, and Joel Damon. Watch out for Matt McNeely as well. Those are seven picks for the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Enjoy the beautiful views. Enjoy a little week off from football. Watch some golf. Throw on the Saudi Invitational. Don't be afraid to throw on the ladies down there in Fort Myers for the drive-on championship. Get out there. Simulators are open up here in southern Ontario across the board. So get out, swing the golf club, and get yourself ready to go for the spring and the, the summer. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, folks. Like I said, follow us along on all the social media outlets. Please give us a subscribe on our new YouTube channel. Subscribers are going up slowly but surely, but please do give us a little subscribe. And we'll catch you next week for the Super Bowl preview. Thank you.